Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Fascinating Nouns. Now, this is still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now as we arrive at this curious nexus point, we explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, and all the spaces in between. I'm your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Alright, quick little note on where you can find me if you want to learn about upcoming episodes. Twitter, at Daniel J. Glenn. Facebook page, Fascinating Nouns, is the name of the fan page. And if you're looking for a newsletter, a brilliant weekly newsletter about everything that's up and coming in, in the world of Daniel J. Glenn, go to fascinatingnouns.com. You can sign up there, and you can listen to all of my previous episodes for free, $0. So check it out, fascinatingnouns.com. I think most people listening to this program either have dogs, or they want a dog, or they hate dogs. It's, I think I pretty much covered the entire spectrum there. So I fall into the category of loving dogs, and as a wee little tyke, I had a dog. And as sometimes happens when you live out in the country, this particular dog became infested with fleas. And that's how I was introduced to God's, probably God's most annoying creature, maybe second only to the mosquito. Now, what do both things have in common? Well, they bite you and suck your blood and make you itch like crazy. Now, the flea is particularly annoying because while mosquitoes are really clumsy flyers and you can kind of squash them pretty easily, fleas are next to impossible to see, really hard to manually kill with your fingers, and kind of difficult to kill with chemical means. So, what do you do with these things? What purpose do they have besides spreading the plague and killing millions of people? Well, I've often wondered, can they be put to work? Can, can they become performers? Are they overlooked in that capacity? I mean, do they have the, the instincts and internal fortitude and mainstream charisma to become mainstay players in the entertainment industry? Well, it turns out that the answer, surprisingly, is yes. Today's guest... Professor A.G. Gertzikoff does just that. Now, he takes these underprivileged, aspiring performers and hones their natural biting and jumping abilities into a three-ring circus. Now, how does he do that? Well, I don't know. But hopefully today, we are going to find out. He's been training fleas for most of his adult life and all of the fleas' adult life. So let's just jump right into this. No pun intended. Professor A.G. Gertzikov, thanks for being here, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my absolute pleasure. So what, what exactly are you a professor of? Well, I'm a uh, psychoentomologist, uh, which means that I uh, study the behavior of insects and perform a show, which is a flea circus, the Acme Miniature Flea Circus. Um, and so I'm actually a, a self-styled professor. Uh, in, in olden days, uh, when flea circuses were around, uh, the guys who, pu- who put them on would call themselves professors, as did the Punch and Judy gentlemen. Uh, so if you did a Punch and Judy show, they were all performed by professors. Uh, explain a Punch and Judy show. I know what it is, but some people may not be aware of that. So a Punch and Judy show is a show, it's an, it's, it's an, English, um, pu- an Eng- English puppet show um, that came out of the Commedia dell'arte in the 1500s, and these Italian guys uh, did their show in in England, and and the English bastardized it as they are wont to do, and turned it into a puppet show, and with this kind of similar characters, uh, the Italian guy was Pulcinella, and he became Punch, and his his wife, who was kind of a harrod a 
Harridan, Harridan, uh, uh, became uh, Judy. And so the show is kind of a, it's a macabre, it's a macabre puppet show that was performed for kids in the 1800s, 1900s. And then it's, it's slowly gone away. There's still a few of them left. Um, but, uh, it's, the show is about Mr. Punch who, uh, had, Judy says, take care of the baby and he doesn't want to take care of the baby. So he decides to throw it out the window and, uh, then, uh, the policeman comes to arrest him and he throws the policeman out the window and Judy comes and complains and he throws him out the window, her out the window and the judge uh, comes and he throws him out the window. The devil comes and finally they he throws him out the window. Well, spoiler so alert, there, Professor. Spoiler, yeah, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> Mister Punch is a bad guy. Jeez. Um. So so now now you've you've kind of touched on your credentials here. Now you're not just a self proclaimed professor. I mean you've got some some bona fides, I would say, right? Well, I would say that's true. Yes, I'm a graduate uh, of the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Clown College. I'm uh, also a graduate of the Del Arte School of Physical Theater, the University of Pennsylvania, Rhode Island College, a Bryant College uh, entrepreneurship training program, and also the uh, Boston School of Bartending. Uh, I, I like to say I'm the most educated <laughs> clown in America, barring certain elected officials. Hey, <laughs> but you're also now, tell me about you're also the clown laureate of. Yes, uh, in 2001, I became the clown laureate of Greenbelt, Maryland, which is a wonderful community about uh, 20 minutes outside of Washington, D.C., and I worked with uh, a, a group there. They had me, the mayor came in on April 1st, 2001, uh, pronounced me the clown laureate in a very solemn ceremony, and they actually gave me a large and ornate green belt uh, to wear for green belt. And the mayor wore her Groucho glasses, and I, I uh, presided over six weeks of activities, of clown activities, where, among other things, I performed my flea circus. And um, they, never clown, they, they, they never crowned another clown laureate, so I am still the clown laureate of Greenbelt, Maryland. In fact, um, I'm, uh, not only am I the clown laureate of Greenbelt, because I now live in Chicago, I, I'd like to say that I'm the clown laureate in exile. <laughs> well, so what are the duties of a clown laureate? I mean, do you get called back? I mean, is this, are you allowed to be in exile? I mean, well, I, I guess that I have to, um, if they, if, if my, if my, uh, community calls, I must serve. Right. Um, but my, my work there was really, I presided over, I think 54 different events all about clowning, including shows, parades, films, discussions about, uh, how clowning and health inter interact. Uh, I curated a clown art exhibit. Um, it, it was a, a month, a month of, uh, clown activities. And when I say a month, I mean six weeks because every clown month should be six weeks long. Like a baker's month. Exactly. Uh, so now, you know, bec now you kind of got into the flea circus. How, how was, how did this come to you? Well, I was working in a circus, um, a small circus, a non-animal circus with a, a bunch of friends, and we were doing a show based on Pandora's boxes. And so the whole, show, the whole show was a circus, and it came out of this box, a cardboard box. And everything was all about boxes. And I, was, I did a uh, – they wanted me to do a clown animal trainer act, and I did this kind of very weird, funny box turtle act. 
where I had three guys dressed up in, in box in cardboard boxes and they were box turtles. And I was trying to teach them to climb the rope and they wouldn't do it. And, and, you know, or turn over and they do it, everything very slowly and always, uh, you know, against what I wanted them to do. And the, the producers of the circus loved it, but they were like, it's, there's gotta be something a little bit longer. It's just a little too short. They said, what else could you do? I said, well, I could do a flea circus. And so I came up with a, a flea circus and it was a very different show than, than the show that I currently do. This was all imaginary. Um, the, they had a 15 piece band behind us that played the, the sound of the fleas. So, so you could hear the flea all the time. That was, and it was all, it was very mime, uh, oriented. So I would see the flea and, um, I had the, the table that I used was actually a person inside a box. So the table kept moving around, um, and you know I'd come to do something, and the the table would be gone. And so I had this idea that I wanted it, it went over really well um, in the circus. And so I thought, wow, this would be a great outdoor show. Um, so I just have to figure out how to do. It. And I was working with a, uh, a clown uh, who's a teacher of mine, Avner Avner Eisenberg, Avner the eccentric, who's an amazing clown and an amazing clown teacher. And I showed him what I had, and I said, you know, I want to make this into a, an outdoor show, uh, you know, but without the 15-piece band, what should I do? And he said, you know what? Get rid of all the clown stuff. Get yourself some fleas. Focus on the fleas. You're so big. They're so little. You love the fleas. That's your show. And I was like, huh, how am I going to do that? And I, I went away. The next project I was working on was a uh, – I lived in Rhode Island at the time. There was a seance. Um, and we brought every, at Halloween, we'd bring people back, uh, who died in the previous year. And one of the guys was a professor of animation and, uh, film at Rhode Island school of design. And I, we were working late one night and I said, Dennis, I'm thinking about a flea circus. And he said, so am I. And so I hired him. I got a grant from the Rhode Island state council on the arts to build a flea circus, an old Victorian flea circus box. And I started doing all this research. And then I found a place where I could buy some fleas. And I bought the fleas and started like doing all kinds of research on what I could get the fleas to do and if I could get anything to do. And it took me really about two years to figure out how to get fleas to do what I want them to do about 85% of the time. And, uh, and then I started performing the show and now that's, uh, one of the shows that I do, I do a, a few other shows as well, so, uh, but that's the show that I'm kind of most known for. I've, I've done it on, uh, yeah, I've done it, I think in 41 States and six countries. It's, it's the show that put me in the New York times and, uh, prob- and on your show. Uh, most important. So you're an August company. The, the New York what? Uh, the New York what? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, I was back in the day, I was performing in Los Angeles, and I got a call from the Jay Leno show about being on the show. And so they said, can you send us some video? And so, of course, I sent them my video, and uh, <laughs> they, they got back to me about a week later and said, you know, the fleas are just too small. What they like, yes. <laughs> exactly. That's like the, my show in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. The fleas are small. It's in the title, Flea. Flea Circus. Exactly. I, was, I missed it. 
so I got a lot of questions about the flea circus, but I want to touch okay, on Okay, I've got a lot of answers, I hope. Well, I think my audience will lynch me if I don't ask about this seance. What was You kind of brushed over it. You brought back old dead perform. What happened? Well, what we would do, it was an art performance, um, and artists would get together at you know the beginning of October and say, who's died in the last year? And somebody had been keeping obituaries um, and said, wow, let's honor these people. And this had become, uh, it had been, when I got involved in the early 90s, um, it had been going on for maybe 10 years. And a group of guys, including my friend Dennis, uh, who's one of the instigators of that, that um, they they built, there were all these kind of rituals based on on the seance. So, for example, the the leader of the seance was was always um, a, a famous, uh, uh, one of the other instigators, Denny Moyers, uh, who's a, a famous uh, landscape photographer from Providence. And Denny would, would appear in his, like, he, he was kind of the host of the show, along with a coyote skull puppet made out of an actual coyote skull named Cleveland. And there were all these puppets in the show that were named after various Ohio towns. So there was Cleveland and Toledo and Cincy and a couple others. And artists would just say, hey, uh, this obituary really fascinates me. How can I, uh, I'm going to be this guy and I'm going to honor this guy. And we would put together little skits and plays that kind of brought them back. And then, then every night, you, you know, once that, that, I think it's a Saturday before Halloween, um, or, or the Saturday of Halloween, the last Saturday of in October, um, we'd all get together and put on a show. And it was this magical show of people doing these, sh- these things that kind of slowly intersected. And some of, some of made one of the, one of the pieces that I did, um, I did, a. it was the year that, that the inventor of the Barbie doll and Klaus Barbie had died at the same time. Whoa. And so I was, I appeared out of this, out of the stage, um, from underneath in from hell. Uh, we built a little trap door, <laughs> yeah. um, and I appeared as the devil and, uh, welcoming Klaus Barbie to hell. And Klaus Barbie was a little Barbie doll and, you know, and, but uh, for, for Klaus Barbie, of course, the devil is Jewish. <laughs> and so I said, Klaus, welcome to hell. We, we made a little brisket for you. How are you? Ah, but we have to perform a little surgery before you come in here. A little circumcision. <laughs> and, and, you know, I pull out a big cleaver knife and there's a little Barbie doll. And uh, I say, and Klaus, let me ask you a question. If you prick us, do we not bleed? And if you wrong us, shall we not revenge? And I cut the doll in half. <laughs> uh, and it's like this, this kind of weird comedy slash tragedy weird. all rolled into one. It was like a really cool little moment. Um, I did another piece, and I know this is about the flea circus, but yeah, I, I kind of fine. forgot about all these cool pieces that, that you know you create, and you do it not for any money at all. It's just for love. Um, I created a piece with, uh, who are the two artists? Uh, Roy Lichtenstein and, um, was it Jackson Pollock? No, Roy Lichtenstein uh, and another artist, and I'll think of him in a minute, who had both died, and so I staged a boxing match 
between the two of them uh, with Roy the Hoy, Roy the Toy, the Hoy Boy of the Toy, (laughs) wait a minute, Roy the Toy Boy of the Boy Toy of the Hoy Poloy, Lippenstein, (laughs) and oh, it was Willem Action the Cooning. There it is. (laughs) And, And then I had two, the puppet show was my two hands, and they were painting a painting. So it was a boxing match of painting, and I would paint with two different hands, paint two different styles. One was a pointless style, and one was kind of just throwing paint at the canvas. Yeah, it was a very different and, style. And at the end, we gave them away. <laughs> uh, you didn't charge for those? No, no, you know, we, uh, no, we didn't. We should have probably, and they're nice. now, you know, masterpieces in, in a miniature Louvre somewhere in Providence. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that is incredible. When you also do a Barbie show, so it makes I, me think there's like a Barbie, this Barbie's theme going on here. I, I like do. I do do. Another one of the shows I do is a show called The Barbie Oedipus, in which I do uh, Oedipus Rex in 12 minutes using Barbie dolls as actors. And that show is a show I, I came up with. There's a, there's a movement around called uh, Puppet Slams. And they're kind of adult puppetry, late night adult puppetry, and they're all over the country. Um, and they're kind of they're, now they're they're sponsored in part by the Jim Henson Foundation. Um, and so somebody, a friend of mine in Providence, was running one, and I said I have an idea of this Barbie Oedipus show. And my original plan was to do kind of a a, a send up of Oedipus with Barbie dolls and a Barbie car, and like you know Barbie's kind of not interested in Greek tragedy because that's the furthest thing from Greek tragedy is like Barbie. But as I started to work on the show and try to say, how am I going to, you know, I really got interested in the story of Oedipus, which is this amazing story. And I try to figure out how I could tell it in 12 minutes. And I really started to cut out all of the, the, the ideas for jokes that I had and really used the dolls to tell this amazing story. And the comedy comes uh, in that show from, the the juxtaposition of these wooden dolls that can't move at all telling this amazing story that's much larger than they are and just the, and the way that the the set is actually a tomato box turned on its end with two ionic columns coming out of it and the dolls are oversized for it and it actually looks when you're sitting a little bit far away it looks like you're looking down up on the up on the the Parthenon, looking down at some performances, kind of very far away, because the Greek actors used to wear these big shoes uh, called katherni to make them look larger, and you, they used to talk in megaphones. And um, and and through doing the show, I kind of realized one of the tenets of my work uh, as an artist and performer is doing is telling great stories in vulgar ways. So that I really, you know, part of what I, I love about stuff like, like, like the Barbie Oedipus and the Flea Circus is that they're popular art forms. Mm-hmm. I'm taking these popular things, but I'm making art out of them. It's not just an entertainment. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. It's entertaining, but it's also, you know, in, in the case of the, the Flea Circus, it's, a, it's, you know, it's, it's resurrecting a sideshow phenomenon that's all but disappeared um, and was a big thing, and now you can't find it anywhere. No, you well, can't find very, it anywhere. very few places. Well, you can find it in your living room. I do want to say, yes. I know we've, we've stepped away from the flea circus, but I feel like I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, 
if you if a little Wayland Smithers moment happened where I went into your closet and saw an entire collection of an, ancient Barbie dolls, that would not surprise me. Uh, I I have to say that uh, there are plenty of skeletons and other weird things in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, you know, and some of them are props, and some of them are uh, you know remnants of old shows, and some of them are just weird things waiting to be activated. Well, professor, uh, much to my wife's dismay. <laughs> <laughs> Professor A.G. Gertzikov's closet will be the next episode because that sounds very <laughs> interesting. Uh, so let's get back to this flea circus. Um, so, we, so when you have fleas, so now what we're talking about is an actual circus is kind of a strong term because I think it's not really a circus in the in the in the I, in the sense that you it's just fleas. It's not like ants and you know grasshoppers. No, well, and, it's it's it is a circus in that the the and circuses uh, from the it's a it's a Greek word that means circle, um, and, and there is a circle. And I perform. I can. I don't always perform it in a in a circle, but in, on the show itself, there is a circus ring, um, and the fleas do spectacular circus stunts, stunts that you would find in a circus, um, such as uh, in in my show, the the fleas pull chariots in a chariot race. There's a uh, dance on the tight wire. The finale of the show, the fleas get shot out of a cannon through the flaming hoop of death and then into their lavishly decorated trailer. <laughs> yeah, I saw that uh, you pulled them out of their trailer, which I thought was really funny. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's great. And the trailer is um, a, an old model of a, an Airstream tra- trailer that we fur-lined for the fleas' comfort. And for, <laughs> and, and, and for the fleas, that trailer is palatial. Um, <laughs> that's great. Uh, so now where did you learn how to train them? Well, that's a proprietary. I, I don't tell anybody how I train them. Um, I figured it out on my own through through careful mm. observation. Um, and and what I like to say about this, when people do ask, and believe me, uh, uh, people do ask, uh, you know, it's it's similar to training any animal. You have to observe what it does, and you have to encourage its natural behaviors. And so I managed to figure out a way to get the flea to, to, well, two things to <laughs> that training is kind of a funny word. You know, they pull chariots in a chariot race, but do they really know they're racing and that people are cheering for them? That's, that's a question uh, that even I cannot answer. Yes, um, they do. But what I can, what, what I can tell you is that it sure looks that way. Hmm. And, and, um, that the, the, the fleas can pull the trailers and the audience makes the race. Hmm. Well, so now when you, I know you can't tell me exactly what you do, but do you use positive or negative reinforcement? Can you tell oh, me that? Yeah, always positive reinforcement. And one of the things in, in olden days, and, and I have a lot of, uh, uh, I've done a lot of research about flea circuses. You know, so one of the things that people would do is they would kind of glue fleas to a prop. So, for example, they would glue a little sword to the flea's arm, and the, the flea would try to get rid of it, and therefore the, the flea would be sword fighting. Um, wow, that's so awful. There's no, what, what I guarantee in my show that I don't harm or abuse the fleas in any way. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, so, n- now, when you... So, uh, but I do have to point out, yeah, yeah, and yeah. this is you know, part of my show, is that there is no society for the prevention of cruelty to insects. Um, in fact, most people would say, you know, for flea, the, the flea circus is really the only positive 
thing you'll ever hear about a flea. Everything else is about how you need a collar to, to contain them. You know, here's a potion to kill them. Um, here's a bomb potion. to drop on them. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. Um, it's it's kind of, I, yeah, I guess it's kind of a funny little thing because I'm, you know, definitely an animal advocate. But when I, but it's hard. I hate fleas. I mean, I can't stand fleas. I think they're mm-hmm. awful, awful things. But I don't know that gluing them to stuff and torturing them is necessarily okay. It's weird. It's kind of, now you're messing with my head here, Professor. Cause yeah, well, that's, you know, that's part of the thing. Uh, I, I talk, I don't actually talk about it in my show, but on the, I, I, um, on the back of my program, and I sell miniature programs at the show, at the flea market before the flea circus, yeah. um, and uh, with fun flea facts on the, ba- on the back, it's just one dime, one thin dime, one-tenth of a dollar, um, and with the, one of the fun flea facts on the back is that Anton von Leeuwenhoek, who was the guy who invented the microscope, and he invented the microscope so that he could observe fleas uh, in their reproductive habits, uh, so he's a little bit of a pervert, I guess. Definitely. <laughs> uh, he uh, said, you know, that God's greatest creations are in its smallest of creatures. And the, the flea is an amazing creature. It's one of the smallest, uh, one of the smallest insects. But it, it can do amazing, amazing, amazing things. Such as? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> they can jump over 1,000 times an hour for 72 hours without stopping. They could accelerate over, seven, over the speed of, almost over the speed of sound, not quite at the speed of sound because otherwise you'd hear them. But, that's, but if they were the size, uh, they, could, they jump enormous heights and distances. They were the size of a woman, and I say this in my show, they'd be able to jump over the Great Pyramid of Giza in a single bound. Um, the, like uh, Superman. Like Superman, except it's a flea. Right. Uh, you know, and it, of course that's to scale. The fleas that I use, and there are 2,000 different species of flea, the fleas that I use live for almost 24 months, and they can live for several months without food or water. If they're not, if they're not fed, um, they will uh, kind of um, hibernate and, and go into a uh, kind of a, a hibernal stage. And then, then when when uh, a meal comes by, they will sense it and and come back to life. Hmm. Well, now I'm stealing this information from a previous conversation I had with you, but this is what they did in like the monarchy times, right? Like, sure, in in India especially, um, the, they would you know they'd have unused portions of the palace, and they would send in a slave uh, or like a, a servant. Uh, to to like into the room to wake up whatever fleas were there, and so that the, the so when the king actually came in to occupy that room, the fleas would be would be fed and would would not be bothering the king. But something, and I'm not sure if I don't remember if we discussed this before, but you know, up until 120 years ago, you ha- everybody had fleas. Fleas were a common common occurrence because we people could didn't couldn't keep their clothes or their nests clean enough to get rid of fleas. So, um, you know, I say in my show, the, the, uh, the species that I use is the Pulex eraton, the human flea, uh, which is now relatively rare. And uh, it's rare because of breakthroughs in hygiene, modern hygiene, the vacuum cleaner, and soap. The, the, the thing is that fleas are, are, don't live on your body per se. They feed on you, but then they live... Um, in your nest, 
Um, so for uh, for humans, that's uh, in your couch or yes, on your clothes. <laughs> um, by by next you, know, you mean your home for the layperson. Yeah, in your home, okay. exactly. Um, and so they are, and and so they. But now, if you can keep your home clean enough, which most people do with a vacuum cleaner, those fleas are much harder to uh, much harder to, to sustain themselves. And the 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 one that the what the one that I use, Pulex Irritan really only survives well on humans and pigs um, because pigs are very actually close to us uh, uh, chromosomally and uh, uh, chromosomally speaking. Um, the most common flea in North America is actually the cat flea. And even if you have a dog, it's probably infested with cat fleas. And, the, and fleas are just so different. There are 2,000 different species of flea. The cat flea only lives six to eight weeks, but the human flea lives up to 24 months. And how do you feed these guys? Well, uh, they they feed on blood. Yes. Human blood. So do you have to, I mean, are you like My a... My human blood. Oh, okay. I, I'm rarely able to find a volunteer. <laughs> uh, but I have managed to, to figure out a way that I don't actually have to put them on my body to feed. Um, uh, I'm able to, uh, I, I, I prick my finger once every 10 days or so, and they just need a, a small amount of blood. And I can put it into a petri dish, and they're able to feed in that way. This is like Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, uh, a little bit. I, I, I say in my uh, press release that uh, <laughs> that Professor Gertzikov treats the fleas as if they were his own flesh and blood, and in some ways they are. <laughs> yeah, except they don't break into song and dance like Little Shop of Horrors. No, Horse. generally not. Generally. Uh, so now... I found some research, because you said that they're very rare, the human flea. Like, and yeah, nowadays. the Pulex Eriton. Right. Uh, yeah, other fleas are very common. But the, the one you use is, is very rare. So I'm wondering where you get them. I found some historical, some historical numbers, if you can kind of bear with me for a second. Sure. For how much they would cost to, to get a hold of. And you can tell me if these are accurate. So I found that in 1935, uh, they were $2 a dozen. In 1950, they were six shillings a dozen. Unless there was a shortage, then they were two shillings a piece. And then in 1976, they sold for half a crown. Now, I have absolutely no idea what these numbers mean, but it seems to me that the price is going up. What do you, how much do they cost to uh, you? Uh, it costs me now about $12 a dozen. They're about a dollar each. Um, and I, I do have to say that not every flea is a circus flea. Right. So there, there's some attrition in, uh, in my training process that not everybody makes the cut. Well, that's a um, great segue. What makes the cut? What are you looking for? How, if, well, if there's scouts out there. That, what they that's want? proprietary. That's that's part of what you know. Knowing what a circus flea uh, does, but I, what I will say is that you know they they have to be able to do what I want them to do. So I'm looking for certain natural behaviors that they're willing to do, um, and uh, and and they're willing, and that I'm able to to get them to do using my proprietary methods. And so not every flea will do that, and there's only certain fleas, you know, and I, I have to train all of them and see which ones will do well and which ones will wash out. Yeah, no, I understand that, Professor, but hold on. There's got to be some things you can tell me. I mean, are you looking for size? Are you looking for strength, the previous training? Any of well, no, it's certainly not previous training, yeah. uh, it's, and it has nothing to do with beauty of the flea. Uh -huh. um, uh, there's really, it's really about their behavior and their, their willingness to to learn and learning I use in a, a, you know, you can put two quotations over it because it's, is it learning? Is it, is it, is it really, are they really learning to do what I want them to do? I'm, I'm kind of asking them to do what I, I've 
made the show in such a way that what they can do works as an, as an act in a circus. And, you know, I, I would say that we talked a little bit about uh, the guys who glue fleas. Um, you know, my, I don't use, I, I use two fleas to do all of the acts in the show. Hmm. Right. Um, you know, so it's like these are, you know, most of the time they'd have one flea for this and one flea for that and one flea for that. I really just use two fleas to do everything. So, in, in, so if I were to use baseball terms, they kind of need to be like a five tool flea in a way. They That's go right. Or uh, a utility fielder. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, they have to be, they, they have to be versatile. Yeah. Well, so now I'm going to go, I'm going to use, I'm not going to go into, I don't know your proprietary methods, but I do, this is my proprietary method of information gathering. I will not say that it's Google, but I, I will say that I use the internet. So I found a, I'm going to fill in some of the gaps. Is this Bing? Is this, <laughs> it's not, I, I, it is, I cannot tell you what it is, but okay. Um, I didn't question your tactics. Don't question mine. Uh, uh, okay, I'm 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 uh, I'm game here. So I've I just wanted to fill in some of the gaps for some of the audience because I think it'll be interesting. So, for example, I want to go through some of the tr- like tricks that that maybe appear in your in your circus. You can tell me if they do, and then I'll say some of the things that people are looking for. So, for example, chariot pulling. Some people look for fleas that will crawl more than they'll jump, and then that gives them because all fleas have relatively the same strength. You know, you're not sending them mm-hmm. fielding tests. So things like that, or juggling, if they kick their legs, you can put something on their legs and they kick it into the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, these types of things. Also, footballing is, is also considered into that. Um, so what, what, are, these the, are these some of the tricks that you do in your circus? I, I, I do do a chariot race. I don't do any juggling um, or uh, footballing, um, although I've considered it. Um, but, you know, my show is about 30 minutes long, 40 minutes with laughter, and... I'd say that I don't want it to be much longer, uh, you know, because there's only so much, so much time that people could spend, you know, watching insects that they can't really see. <laughs> no, that is very uh, true. You, you know, and, and, uh, but I would also say, you know, that in, on some level, my show is not, I mean, it's of course about the insects, but it's really about the audience in a way. And the big journey, you know, for example, in the chariot race, the fleas pull two chariots uh, about, I'd say, about 14 or 15 inches. It takes them a minute and a half to pull these chariots 14 inches. This is not exciting visual theater. <laughs> um, uh, you know, by the way, I just want to point out that a yeah. minute and a half is about what it takes for, for the, the Kentucky Derby to run. Sure, sure. That's fair. Uh, fair and, comparison. And, you know, but the, the, um, the, the thing that makes my show, I think, exciting is not the journey of the fleas, this 14-inch journey, but it's the journey of the audience who start out hating fleas and despising fleas and knowing not too much about them, but knowing that, you know, hey, fleas, they're, they're annoying and they uh, are, are not, uh, you know, they're not something I want around. And by the end of the, my, my show, they kind of love the fleas and they're cheering for them. And I get the audience to cheer for one of the two fleas, Midge or Madge, to, uh, which one will be will first. And they kind of start to love the fleas. And so I would say that's the journey of my show, not the journey, not the fleas journey, but the audience's journey. Um, from not liking fleas to liking or at least appreciating um, these amazing creatures. Uh, that is very poetic. So now let's uh, – so with, with the fleas – I did want to yes. mention, though, and you, you said that, that, that the last thing I said was very poetic. 
Yes. And I, poetry is actually a part of my show. Um, I, I recite because I, I recite in the show. I, I do a history of fleas, but I also do uh, some po- flea poetry, otherwise known as flea verse. And uh, if you yeah. like, I would could recite a couple for you. I would love it, sir. Uh, there, there are there are, there's there's surprisingly more flea poetry than you would think. But so the the two that I'll do, um, I, I, the first is a piece of doggerel by Jonathan Swift, um, and it goes like this: A flea and a fly flew up in a flue. Said the flea to the fly, "Oh, what shall we do?" Said the flea, "Let us fly." Said the fly, "Let us flee." And they fluttered and flew up a flaw in the flue. That is amazing. <laughs> and then, and then the shortest, that. and then I've, I always, I always end my uh, flea poetry, uh, otherwise known as flea verse uh, uh, edition, with um, the shortest poem in the English language, which is entitled "Fleas." Adam Haddam. <laughs> I like that. That takes a minute for a guy this like me. My name is Adam. It, it's particularly relevant. <laughs> I like that. You don't have them still, do you? I guess you own them. There's many I, have. I what have does them. have mean? Yes. Uh, well, that's a good question. I do. Okay. Do I have the fleas or do they have me? Exactly. It's an interesting uh, question. Thank you very much. Uh, so, um, now you said you can get them to do what you want 85% of the time. which Approximately, is de- yes. That's really impressive. I mean, I can't get my dogs to do what I want 50% of the time. 85% is a good number. Well, I I think so, and uh, you know, I it, it hasn't over the years that I've been doing the show, it, that number hasn't really varied. Um, and sometimes the fleas don't want to pull uh, the chariots, or they don't want to um, dance on the tight wire, and that's just you know that's becomes part of the show. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the way it goes. <laughs> gotta be, you got to be quick on your feet, then. Yes, well, I I, I do. Although, you know, I've done the show over a thousand times, so most things that could have happened in the show have happened. Mm, that's and true. so I have some pretty good responses. But, you know, I, I just did a couple of shows the other day in, here in Chicago, and different things happened. And, you know, I keep on responding. And for me, you know, when you do a show a thousand times, that's the joy of it is that you start to find new things and you go, wait a minute, what if I do it like this? Or, hey, I'm going to change it around this time. And uh, sometimes you get a better, sometimes you get a great joke and sometimes you ruin the joke and then you you continue to to get it so that it's a little, um, you know, it gets a little bit finer and a little bit clearer and hopefully um, overall a better show for the audience. Sure. I mean, and that's, and I think that that's great that you've done it so many times that there's not, you're not going to be surprised like being heckled, you know, for a stand up comedian, like they've heard it all before. Exactly. And I actually do, I do get heckled uh, often by 10 year olds who want to know what's going on and where are the fleas and can I touch the fleas? (laughs) Um, You know, which is, uh, the answer is no. That's got to be, you can't let a 10 year old score on you, man. Like that's, you got some stuff in the chamber, I hope. Exactly. Well, you know, you don't want to, you know, unlike a stand up comedian, you can't really unload on a 10 year old. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's bad form, and, you know, you can quickly lose the audience's sympathy. Um, so, you know, really, for, for me, it's about encouraging them, because I, and I also, you know, when, when, especially if kids are interested, I want them to be interested, but I also want them to be interested on, on, on my time. And, on, you know, in, in a place where 
everybody can see. And, you know, this is a, exactly a perfect example is that when, you know, I, the, I do the show and the first 10 minutes or so, the, the, you know, it's a, it's a 35, 40 minute show. And the first 10 minutes, there are no fleas because I'm talking about the fleas and I'm doing something else. And I do the flea market before the flea circus and people are getting a little impatient. And when the fleas finally appear and start to pull the chariots, everybody stands up, especially the kids. And they all stand up right in front of where the people that are sitting in the back can't see because the, the people in front stand up. And mm -hmm. so I have to encourage them to sit down so that everybody can see. Have you ever thought about like a jumbotron where like you have something on the, you know, like a big monitor that everyone can see? I, I of course have thought about that, but you know, for me, my, my, my show's not a, it's a, it's a throwback to a Victorian show. And I never wanted it to be, I don't want people to watch TV. I want people to watch me. Mm -hmm. I want people to watch the live thing that's happening before them. Right. So in, in that way, I never have really embraced the Jumbotron. I've considered it. I, there's been a couple of times when uh, there, was a, there was an opportunity possibly to perform for a couple of thousand people in a giant stadium. And of course, I would have had to have some kind of vi video presentation for that because... Uh, it, it, those those ended up not working out, um, so we didn't ha actually have to go there. And I think the show can work like that. Um, the show is very flexible, and people really seem to like it. I've done a, I've done the show a couple of times where, it, you know, it's been so crowded that uh, other than the people in the first row, it's hard for anybody else to see. And I had a friend who saw the show from you know behind and said. I love the show. I couldn't see anything, but it was great. It was really funny and it was really together. And, you know, it didn't matter that I couldn't see anything going on. Yeah. Well, that's important. Um, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the fleas themselves that we didn't okay. get to. So when you said you buy 12, I don't know how much of the stuff you can tell me. I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, how many, what's the percentage that are usable? Um, it depends. Uh, you know, I would say out of every, out of every dozen, probably a third or, or maybe a third, five, somewhere between four and six are, uh, fleas that I can use. So do you keep the rest as pets or what do you do with them? Um, I actually, uh, <laughs> I left them out into the wild. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so you drive them to the park and then drive off. Well, <laughs> yes, the park, the supermarket, a jerk next door. Either way, exactly. Um, um, so now, when we get into one of the things, I know you're going to talk a little bit about the history because you were telling me about Heckler at one point, who was a famous sure? flea circus guy. One of the things he did, which I thought was interesting, I read about this um, through on uh, information that I got from proprietary methods. He would watch fleas in like a cylinder jar. And then uh -huh. he would look what his kind of – the thing he was looking for was very intelligent fleas. So he would watch the fleas that would jump. And I guess fleas can leave like a deposit of goo on the cylinder because fleas obviously can't crawl up the cylinder. Mm -hmm. And then he would wait – that flea would jump up and find that goo again and then be able to use that goo to kind of launch himself out of the cylinder. And it were those guys that escaped – which were, you know, kind of the ones that were chosen for this sacred It's, it's duty. interesting because I actually haven't read that, um, you know, but I've read something very similar about, and I don't know if it was Heckler or another guy, but there's, there's actually, um, I was interviewed for an article maybe about 10 years ago from like a science, uh, not a science, a uh, business magazine that wanted to kind of use my 
secrets of training fleas to talk about how big businesses could train <laughs> you know people and oh. uh, and use it as management methods and it was kind of a weird segue but they, yeah. they ended up writing the article not not with my uh proprietary information but the article that they wrote was talking about the training fleas and they wanted they wanted fleas that they would could train not to jump huh. um so they would you know there's so, some of the fleas don't jump some some do i i do a little bit of that but my my criteria is different um Hmm. And how, I think how, that's all I'm going to say about that. No, that's fine. How many do you keep on hand at any one point in time? I, like trained I have, fleas, fully trained fleas. I, I have a few backups um, in case uh, something goes awry. Um, but uh, I probably have uh, a dozen fleas or so in various stages of training, usually. Sometimes I have to, you know, I'm not, I can't perform the show if I don't have the right fleas at the right time. Um, but and, usually I'm, I'm prepared. And so who makes the starting lineup versus the guys who are the backup? Is it just performance percentage? Uh, a, little bit of, a little bit of that and a little bit of um, which – you know, I, I keep them in pairs. So once, once I've paired them, they're, you know, they're a set of fleas that, uh, that I'll use. Um, and then when they're no longer able to perform or uh, there seems to be a problem – you know, if there's a if there's a number, if I do a number of shows and the fleas don't perform, I might trade them out. Hmm. Now, are they? Um, are but, they a- but when I do that, the fleas will all will always the fleas are always named Midge and Madge. I don't <laughs> I don't vary the their names. Uh, that's good to know. So, are they a breeding pair? I mean, do you breed your own fleas? They're, they're not. They're, I only use female fleas in my show, um, and uh, I'm not. You, you know, this is part of the the lore of flea circus guys. Uh, which was that the flea, the fleas the the female flea is actually a little bit larger than the male flea, and uh, the female flea supposedly was better. It was easier to be trained. I only ever purchased female fleas because I read that and I said, okay, female fleas it is, um, and I didn't want to breed because <laughs> um, I'm not really set up for that. Uh, that's one for the feminist side, though. That's good. Yes. Well, it's hard to know. You know, if if you're easier to train. Is that good or bad? Is, does that make you smarter, smart, smarter than, than uh, the average flea or not, not as smart as the average flea? I, I leave that for others to decide. Yeah, I'm going to move on from that one. So when you... Yeah, I think you should before, uh, before uh, there is a picket line in front of your uh, you know, podcast station. It, it will happen, too. Uh, so, so now, mechanically, this is kind of interesting. You got, I don't know if you do this or not, but... One of the things, so, you know, you know this better than I do, but to sum it up briefly, Flea Circus is started by watchmakers who wanted to kind of display their wares, and they would tie, mm-hmm. like, like, a gold strand around the necks of fleas so you could grab them and move them around so they're kind of harnessed. Yeah. Uh, do you do that? I don't do it in quite that way, but I, do, I am able to contain my fleas in a, uh, uh, in, a, in a way that and I do move them around, as, as if you watch the videos, I move them around by uh, by by tweezer, <laughs> um, so I'm able to to uh, hold on to the fleas and and put them where I, where they need to be. And how long does it take to train them? It it took me about two years to figure out how to do it, and now it takes me between three and four months to train an individual flea. Hmm. Um, so now, can you tell me a little bit but about? It's not oh, yeah. it's not a steady training. It's not like I'm you know we're under twenty four hour. 
uh, watch. You know, it's, it's, it's about inculcation. Oh. So what is the regimen then? Well, that's proprietary. Oh, that's proprietary as well. Okay. Sure. All right. I don't want, you know, I don't want to give up my secrets. Maybe when I'm old enough to not do the show anymore, I'll either sell the secrets or write a tell-all memoir. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, right now, it, you know, it's, it's the thing that, that kind of distinguishes my show from other shows. Can I ask you in advance, if you do decide to retire, will you come mm-hmm. on my show for an exclusive tell-all first? <laughs> if your show is still around. Excuse me? And if your show is still around. Well, I heard you the first be, time. <laughs> well, you, you know, my point being that yeah. you, by this time, by the time you might be on NPR. Sure. You know, right, you might right. be somewhere else. You might have retired. I don't know. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, I plan on doing the Fleet Circus for quite some time. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. Uh, But, but, yeah, and and if I don't have a better offer, then certainly. Don't have a better offer than certainly. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) All right. Spoken like a true flea master, I would say. Uh, so now let's talk about, so you, Heckler's Flea Circus, which I kind of mentioned, you've got a personal story, and you know a little bit about this. Can you tell me, I thought this was a fascinating story. You mind going into it? Yes, sh- certainly. So Professor Heckler, um, it was Professor William Heckler and then his son, uh, Leroy, or Roy Heckler, um, started doing a flea circus, the, the older William Heckler, started performing it in the early 1800s, the late, late 1800s, early 1900s. He actually performed at the Chicago World's Fair. Um, and there are some uh, broadsides that, uh, that you can occasionally find on eBay, um, but, you know, with uh, talking about his show. So then he passed the show down to his son, Leroy Heckler. And, and Leroy Heckler performed it mostly on the East Coast, um, but up and down the East Coast, and then kind of settled in two places in New York. Um, and he was performing on Times Square for a very long time. And it was in Professor Hubert's Dime Museum, which is now, uh, now it's actually the site of Ripley's Believe It or Not, Believe It or Not. Um, and, uh, but at the time, it was Hubert's Dime Museum, and it was a popular, popular, popular attraction. Um, and in 1957, Professor Heckler left Times Square because he said that the nude shows were giving his fleas a bad name. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in 2000, you know, I started doing my flea circus around 1994 and then 2001, 2002, since they started, they really had cleaned up Times Square. I thought it was only right to bring the flea circus back. And, uh, and so I, I staged the historic and triumphant return of the fleas to Times Square. And I performed in a theater probably about two blocks from where Heckler had performed in what is now the, the building that I was in no longer exists. It's now the Time Life building. Um, but I was in a building right, right around there. Um, there was a, the, there was a group of artists uh, who I, I work with called the Bindle Stiff Family Circus. And they had a theater, a sideshow theater called the Palace of Variety. And I had toured with those guys. And when they had a theater, they asked me if I would come and do the flea circus uh, in their theater. So I was there for about four or five or six months every, uh, every weekend. And there was, you know, there's some articles in the New York Times and the New York Post and a couple other places um, about the show at that time. 
uh, because it was it was kind of a big deal, um, you know, bringing the fleas back to Times Square. Uh, and then and and so while I was there, I had some people come to the show who had seen Professor Heckler. They when they were five or six or seven, their parents had taken them to Times Square, and uh, you know they were now six, in their sixties. And uh, they were like, ah, I haven't heard of a flea circus until now. Uh, you know, and they came to see the show. And at the end, they'd say, wow, you were funnier than Professor Heckler. You know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, my show is a 30-minute show that I perform twice or three times a day, four times if I'm really pushing it. Um, Heckler performed a 10-minute show 30 to 40 times a day. Wow. So when you do a show 30 or 40 times a day, you don't have any time to be funny. All you have the time to be is bitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> Guess so so. I, I'm not surprised that I was funnier than Heckler. Um, I had actually, uh, a couple of Heckler's grandchildren came to the show and, uh, that was kind of a special moment for me. Wow. Did you get pictures with them and get their, uh, I didn't, you know, you know, I, strangely, I did not, um, I don't know what I was thinking, but they they came to the show. They we talked, uh, we exchanged uh, telephone numbers, but we never took pictures, which was you know in retrospect obviously a huge mistake. Definitely, uh, it would have been nice. Yeah, that would have been. And they didn't take up the flea circus. Then I take it they were out of the circus flea any kind of. Circus they were out business. of the circus business. Yeah, they did not. The, the show did not get passed down to them, and and nobody. You know, it was their grandchildren, and I'm not sure why the the father or the mother. And I don't even know if it was a father or a mother. I don't know which child they were of. They just said we were. You know, we're Professor Heckler's grandchildren, um, hmm. and. Uh, you know, they'd heard a lot of stories about the flea circus, but had never seen one. Well, I got to tell you, for an entertainer to have the last name of Heckler, that is very odd, but it was very popular. Right? <laughs> yep. Well, it was a popular show, and, uh, you know, who knows why he took the name. Perhaps he, he was a Heckler in his youth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, very possible. Well, so now I want to ask you one other question before we close here, and this is very sure. important, possibly the most important question of the evening. Okay. Um, so if I know my history, in the 6th century... A plague spawned by fleas decimated the Roman Empire. In the 14th century, mm-hmm. the Black Death, also attributed to fleas, killed one-third of Europe's population. Do you ever fear for your life? I mean, would you be classified as a hero for having this flea circus? Uh, well, you know, uh, fleas have been uh, a vector for disease for a very long time. I would say that uh, is it possible that the, the, usually those fleas have been rat fleas, um, that have caused those plagues. And they, they, they were caused primarily because people didn't know, hey, you probably shouldn't live in a, you, you, you should probably shouldn't cohabit with rats that, <laughs> that much. And you should probably, uh, the, the, the pestilences and plagues that they were carrying were often carried in still bad water mm-hmm. uh, that, you, you know, there, there were a lot of reasons. The fleas were the, the vector, but they weren't the cause. Is so you, I guess what I'm trying to say. So you don't so fear I for your life. I don't fear for my life. Um, you know, and I, I think that audience members of mine should not fear for their lives as well. And I have an ironclad guarantee in my show that nobody leaves my show with more fleas than they than they came in with, or 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 virus or, or molecules of the plague. <laughs> Well, I, I don't say that, but uh, <laughs> good. Uh, you know, good. I, uh, you know, my insurance company won't allow me to say that. 
so what other shows you have going on? So you're in Chicago now. Um, I'm, other- I'm, I just moved to Chicago. I was in New York for about 10 years, and I've, I've recently moved to Chicago. Uh, I've performed the Flea Circus. I sometimes teach clowning and physical comedy um, at various schools. I do workshops. Um, I, do, I do a lot of different things. I have a couple of uh, other shows um, in, in addition to the Barbie Oedipus. I do a clown show which is called Buffoon Anonymous, 12 Steps to Inanity, which is about me as a clown, being addicted to being a clown and having to quit being a clown. At the end of the show, I go cold turkey and I join the audience. And um, so there's a lot of like kind of, I like to create kind of interesting shows that interest me and, and hopefully the audience as well. The Flea Circus is perhaps the show that will be on my, on my gravestone, sure. <laughs> probably Adam had him. But, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I should be thinking about that, I guess, <laughs> in a morbid kind of way. Yeah. Well, it should be. A... <laughs> I don't know how old you are. Maybe I think we can probably put it off for a little bit, hopefully. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Um, you know, but uh, it, it's not, it's going to happen someday. But, uh, you know, I also do a show about P.T. Barnum. Um, and I, I have another show I'm working on now, which is a, a show about Henry Hudson and explorers in general. So I keep busy with cool, interesting shows, and I, I'm collaborating with some other artists, and I continue to do my work. So that trainfleas.com, is that your website? Yeah, that's, that's my flea circus website, trainedfleas.com. And there's a, if, if your audience members are interested, they can uh, join my, I have a, a very low-traffic Yahoo group, um, that, uh, I, I inform people when they, you know, it's a mailing list of sorts and I inform people by email when, when there, when there's going to be a new show or when I'm going to be performing. Um, how do you get to that? Also, they can also catch me on, on Facebook and on, uh, uh, I, I have a personal Twitter account, but not really a flea circus Twitter account. Oh man. So you, it's you, just not enough. There's just not enough flea circus information to Twitter about. <laughs> it's not enough information to, and it's tweet about, sir. It's tweet. It's, about. Oh, to tweet about. Pardon yes, me. It's okay. Uh, so I'll put some of this information online so people are interested. They can check it out. Mm-hmm. Professor A.G. Gertzikov, I want to thank you so much for being on the program. This has been very enlightening. Uh, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure, and I've enjoyed talking to you and to your audiences very much. All right, so thank you to everyone who's listening. Have a good night.